This is TDPS. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. Eric, do you think our opening to our podcast is overstructured and formal? I have never bothered to consider that. Why would you why would you ask that? Well, because I listen to some podcasts that are just sort of conversational, if you will, like ours are, and the opening's always like <gasps> Oh, oh, hi. Oh, hey, are we recording? We're recording. Oh, I think we're recording. Okay. Hey, Jan. You know, it's very, it's, they, people just, they don't, they don't like come roaring out of the gate the way we do. They aren't on quite as much caffeine and sugar. I think a lot of them are stoned. Well, I think people might as well be warned right up front. We are edgy. We're, we're, we're coming out of the gate full speed. Like, I, it seems perfectly natural to me. You have to say something. Right. Hey, thanks for listening. That's all for now. Okay. Yeah. What, what Leslie does that, uh, Leslie Jordan, our friend Leslie Jordan does that thing on his, it's uh, Instagram, I think, where it's, mm-hmm. hey, what are y'all doing? Um, in that doing? crazy little voice of his, um, mm-hmm. you know, and it's kind of a signature thing. I think it's really important for people to know who you are. I had a professor who I actually didn't get along with very well, but I remember him saying at one point, and I've all, it's always stuck with me. Your name is really, is something that you own, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and we open with our names and Mm -hmm. we make it clear that that's who it is. And that's, you know, who you're listening to. And if you don't want to be listening to us, well, then you should turn it off right now because it's still us. Um, But yeah, I think it's a, perfunctory sure mm-hmm. um uh, maybe we should do a musical version like the <laughs> patty duke show here's kathy who's been most everywhere from lands of far to barclay square but patty's only seen the sights she's girl can see from brooklyn nights what a wild you at we should do something oh like that oh my god do you know that whole song can you sing but that entire cousins, song <sighs> identical cousins and you'll find <laughs> They laugh alike, ah. they talk alike, at times they even walk alike. You could lose your mind when cousins are two of a kind. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You know that whole song. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, welcome to our first ever Just Patty Duke right themed back episode. Just right a tale, a tale of a Christopher and Eric. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to our first ever Patty Duke themed episode of TDPS Presents Christopher and Eric. That's actually not what we're going to be doing today. It's not what we're going to be talking about today. So uh, the tentative title for this episode that I came up with is Bright Shiny Lies. Do we like that? Given, I'll explain what we're about to talk about, but I don't know if that's the perfect title for this episode. So if it showed up differently on your podcast menu when you downloaded it, that's because Eric hated it and thought it was dumb. 
Yeah, I don't know. I hadn't thought about that before now. Bright, shiny lies, huh? Why Why would you pick that title? Because they're... Okay, so what we're going to do today is we do something on our Facebook page. That's the Dinner Party Show's Facebook page called The Wednesday Question. And it's a way for us to stay in touch with you and to remind you that we posted a new episode on Sunday. Let's be honest about it. So we ask people questions that are supposed to be incisive and revealing. And recently we asked people, what was the wor- Well. I don't know if it was what was the worst. It was like, what was the most insane lie anyone has ever told about you? What was the most insane piece of gossip that was ever spread about you? Gossip. It doesn't have to be a lie, right? It's just gossip. I think I said lie. I think I said lie. I threw away the show. Well, my story isn't going to strictly adhere to that, but you'll see. Yeah, well, you're really good with fiction in general, so I figure you'll be able to amp it up a little bit as we tell it and retell it. So... I guess the bright shiny comes from the fact that we are the center of the lie. Although if the lie is really destructive, that's not a bright shiny good thing. But we here at TDPS Presents Christopher and Eric enjoy being the center of attention. It's why we talk endlessly into microphones for hours on end. But we also enjoy hearing from you and learning about you. And that is what we did with this question in particular. However, I would say I thought the answers would come through a little more... um, tongue-in-cheek than they did some people shared some really serious stuff some really destructive things that had been said about them in the past particularly when they were younger i think that's where a lot of people's heads immediately went they went to high school they went to elementary school they went back to a time in their life when it really maybe felt worse it can still feel bad but it felt more destructive than it might have actually been in the moment because well, you, young people care. It seems like from this that you have something really specific in mind. Do well, you have a particular incident in your life that really was in your in the front of your mind when you came up with this topic? Because you did, clearly. So why don't I do, can, you, do you want to kick us off by telling us your Yeah, sure. I mean I think I came at this from a an interesting place, maybe a unique place, given that in my community, when I was younger, my mother was very well known. She was very well known outside of our community. And really? so I had no idea. I know. I just said, don't tell her because we don't want her to get a big head about it. But right. people embellish stuff, stories about our family. I remember I had a friend who worked at a gift shop in the French Quarter and people would come in and ask questions and they didn't know she was friends with me, but they would say, is it true that Anne Rice eats bats for dinner? Is it true? You know, and that's the kind of stuff that goes along with celebrity. It's not really that abnormal. But when I started to come out of the closet, there was a lie told about me that I thought was incredibly entertaining, which is I was going to gay bars in the quarter and somebody said that I was being followed at 40 paces at all times by a security detail, which could not have been further from the truth. But I said, that's a great explanation on why all of the really high-quality men are staying away from me in this moment because they're afraid of being wrestled to the ground by phantom security guards who don't actually exist. And you think quality men are concerned about the intervention (laughs) of security guards? Like, I think we may need to we may need to talk once again about who it is you're seeing as your best candidates for. Yeah. If you're and, attracted um, to people who would alert the who would set off the fields of your security personnel, I think you may be looking at the wrong yeah, target market. I think that's a good point. I think that's a good point. Um but honestly, as I read over some of the responses that we got, some of the things that hurt, the things that hurt when I was younger, the pieces of gossip were true. 
but they were being shared in a context that made them sound really negative. You know, like I actually did, you know, come across like somebody who liked boys and not girls. You know, like I actually was a, a sensitive theater kid who never played sports. But to hear those discussed of in a way that made those sound like bad things affected me more than I wished that it would have. But the lies, lies that were told about me were more sort of um, post-adolescence as I was getting older, you know. And so I've never had one, like I I was interviewed about my first book and the amount of money that I was paid for it was wildly overstated in by various reporters, most of whom just couldn't get access to the information, so they made up a figure. You that know? is such a standard thing with reporters. Yeah. They will just, I remember, I you know, in my own, over my own career, those kinds of reports, my former co-writer who shall remain nameless was, mm -hmm. there were reports about her that were just like, I didn't even know there were no foundation in any kind of, she had 47 cars. She had right. two, you know, right. one of them was leased and the other mm -hmm. she won as a result of uh, posing for a photograph in a magazine, you know, like, mm -hmm. I, I like, Two cars, 47. How is one of those things possibly related to the other? Where mm -hmm. would you have come up with that kind of information? Net worth of people will just be mm -hmm. outlandishly overreported. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Just ridiculous. And I guess there's some metric the individual reporter uses. Like, okay, let's say for, for the book example, I know that a book of a similar type sold for this amount, publicly disclosed, I'm going to make a rough estimate. But it's just in the end, it's making something up. I mean, that's what we're talking yeah. about. Somebody making Not up something. Not reporting at all. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, like I, I think it's a, a tell about my personality that I was more upset by accurate things being repeated about me when I was younger because I didn't want them known or I didn't want them acknowledged or I didn't want a spotlight shown on them. But I'm not sure an outright lie about me has ever, you know, thrown well, me sideways. That's the reason I asked that question at the start. Like most of the things that have been said about me are actually true. You know, yeah, like, 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 oh, he's gay. Well, he is, you know, he's mm -hmm. a big fag. Yep, that's right. You know, like mm -hmm. that was a big part of things that might have been said about me over the times and those are actually that's actually the truth there there were some other more outrageous stories that you know that happened over time and and the the one that i settled on i've got three that i'll tell but the one that i really settled on was um was better but we'll save those let's save those for later in the episode are there so was there a particular outrageous lie that was told about you that you were like like uh, what know, was it that inspired you to write this question well, I think what inspired us to write this question was we had actually done an episode of True Crime TV Club that that in some way touched upon gossip or lies or whatever. I think our Wednesday questions are usually born out of the episode that's either immediately preceding or is um, just a little in our rear view. And I think we right. had covered – oh, it was – we had done the Wendy Williams episode, Death by Gossip. We had done right. – She has a true crime special. Um I don't I, I'm trying to remember that particular case the death by gossip element is she was it wasn't gossip that killed her the woman the victim was a, in a swingers club and had left her husband she was in the club with her husband had left her husband for I think somebody she met in the club or somebody else and the husband sent um, a gave it was her a, a bomb, bomb that for killed Christmas. her yes it was a Christmas present yeah. a bomb wrapped as a Christmas present it was uh yeah that was <laughs> <laughs> not gossip. That was a pretty material uh, 
assault. Right. So, it, but it got us started on the topic of gossip in general. And I think, again, as with that case, anything that they would have gossiped about was true. She was actually, the victim actually was a swinger. You know, she had been in this club for a while and, and more power to her. Like, you know, they yeah, interviewed what, her. Yeah, suit yourself. Life is short. Have a good time. Yeah, exactly. So, um, the answers that came through, though, were interesting because they were about, they asked, I think, without. They, without being direct about it, they asked people to sort of talk about what they considered to be damaging in terms of their own lives. And and some people shared something that really hurt them, but other some other people shared lies that were told that actually saved their bacon, you know, like <laughs> that had unintentional ripple effects, even that the liar wasn't intending. But most of them went back to their youth, which I thought was interesting. They went back to when they were younger, and I thought, you know, there were not as much um, – well, let's let's read one. I'm going to read one from Erlene Webster Gregg. She says, During my freshman year in high school, I had an injury where I was unable to go to school and had to be homeschooled. And this oh, is back in the one. 70s when it wasn't popular. I returned to school for my sophomore year. Everyone kept asking me about my baby. I just Ru- – honestly. <laughs> rumor had it that I was sent to a girl's home to have a child. The funny thing was I had never been anywhere near a guy because my Southern Baptist parents weren't going to let me date until I was 16. Needless to say, I had a reputation of being a slut without even having sex at the time. Honestly. I, just, I mean, that's really. one of those, like, uh, because she wasn't there, she had a baby? Like, that was your first... Uh, you know what I mean? Like, right. uh, you didn't like mono. Okay. I could see that as the rumor. Right. Like who did she catch mono from the kissing disease? La la la. But a baby, my God, that's, I, that is, that's an extreme it, leap. What an imaginative of the, group of friends. And then to uh, right. tar her as a slut for the rest of her, her high school career. Jesus. And, and, you know, and I think this comes up on another one, and I don't know if this is just because we have more uh, women responding or more women listening to the show, but that is a particularly nuclear accusation apparently to have made against a woman at the time that these incidents happened, implying that they were promiscuous, sh- slut-shaming them for things they may or may not have actually done. Well, I think women are victimized by that more than men are. With men, it's mm-hmm. like a badge of honor. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, you hear stories about, you know, young men sleeping with a friend of their mother's or whatever, which is actually statutory rape, by the way, and can be traumatic for male child as well as Mm -hmm. female child. But whatever, it's, you know, promoted as like this amazing thing that happened to them or, or whatever, you know, an achievement on their part. Whereas women are like held to account as they're somehow having sex, which is a perfectly natural thing, is a mark of, you know, against them. I I find that just astonishing. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Unfortunate. The stuff women put up with, I swear to God, I just, I don't know how they do it. Well, I think they're getting done with putting up with a lot of it, and that's Well, a good. good. Thing. I think they should actually kick everybody's <laughs> butt about it, because I just, I, I feel bad for them. Like, my God, stop putting up with this shit. Right. So let's, let's go to one of our favorite women here at the TDPS Network, and that's Amy Bellino, who responded to this question with these two words at the beginning of her response. Oh, boy. <laughs> the rumor being spread about me in high school was that i was a witch i wasn't bothered by it i love that i wish people had thought i was a witch i wasn't bothered by it she says and understood their confusion i was a goth chick and i studied many religions 
If anyone bothered to ask, I would explain that I believe in God, but that I don't believe that it's his or her only name, and all religions have the same underlying principles, beliefs, and qualities. I screwed that up on my end, sorry. Basically, be good, do good, and don't be a dick. Right? The, the, first, the 11th commandment. Don't, don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. The more I studied other religions, the stronger my faith became because all religions seem to have the same basic principles. It's just the trappings that are different. True. Well, my senior year of high school, I was caught smoking on campus during lunch break, which resulted in a referral <gasps> bum, and an in-school suspension. That's the worst oh when you have to go you to school. You didn't even get to leave? Oh, that really <laughs> sucks. About 45 minutes after I was caught, the middle-aged gym teacher who caught me and escorted me to the principal's office had a heart attack and had to be rushed to the hospital via ambulance. It was just a coincidence... But good but luck trying to get a, a witch, bunch of high yeah. school Bible-thumping rednecks to understand that. By the end of the day, rumors were flying that I'd killed him with a hex. Absolutely. <laughs> I wish I could have. Oh, my God. There would have been a, a whole pile of dead bodies in my high school if I could have killed people with a hex. And the only thing I could think to point out in my defense was, it's just an in-school suspension. I wasn't even expelled. Be realistic. It was a slap on the wrist. <laughs> I and love the that record, her defense is, I would hardly kill him just over an in-school suspension. Maybe, you know, a light newt nun, you know, turning right. into a salamander briefly, but killing him <laughs> seems so extreme. <laughs> A and light for the muting. record, and for the record, the teacher did not die. He was back at school in a few weeks, but the rumor persisted. Oh, absolutely! How could you escape that one? That's a great one. I love that story. Yeah, that was really great. Okay, let's go to let's go to our personal favorite. We have so many favorites; it's hard to choose. But because this is a Wednesday question, Angelina Farmer decided to I weigh thought, in with. I thought that's where you were going when you said the thing when you before you introduced it. Uh, I know. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page, and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at facebook.com slash the dinner party show. No, I meant in the car. So here's what Angelina Farmer, who always takes such great care to remind us to actually post the Wednesday question, had to say. <laughs> and she reminds us that I had said, what is the most absurd and inaccurate piece of gossip anyone had ever spread about you? That's how I frame the question. My seventh and eighth grade years, known as middle school here in Washington State, I spent in one area, Montlake Terrace, but my freshman and sophomore high school years were spent in a different area called Edmonds. When I went back to the Montlake Terrace area for my junior and senior years of high school, people from my 7th and 8th grade years were surprised to see me. For some reason, little nobody, who no one talked about, unless you count that time I tripped on my outrageously long shoelaces, extremely long shoelaces were actually in style, and broke the fretboard. I don't remember that, end. I, Okay, I'll take your word for it, but I don't remember <laughs> extremely long, the style of extremely long shoelaces. 
<laughs> but this little trip caused her to break the fretboard off of her viola. Um, okay, that's a, just a little side note there from Angelina. Ouch. Somehow, everyone had been told that she'd moved to Australia. Despite the fact that she showed up at high school football games during freshman and sophomore years, and the two schools were big rivals, as the two schools were big rivals with one another, and there was even a combined school musical, The Music Man, what else? Every high school except for mine did The Music Man, which had cast members from both schools. So even if I had, don't I wish, she says, I could have moved back. So why the surprise to see me? I have always had a deep feeling there was more, but I could never get it out of anyone. I was too surprised at the time that people were talking about me since I was, quote, missing, and I hadn't said anything to anyone about me going to a different school, which I actually had told my friends who were still in the same area, but I guess they weren't asked or it was a big secret. It wasn't something I was going to put in the school newspaper because who besides my friends would care? I now really wonder what else went with that. So I think she suspects it was part of a larger story about her absence that uh, that uh, nobody would share those details with her. Like she went Maybe to Australia so. to kill people. Maybe I wonder what she would have. <laughs> I wonder what they um. I what would you think? Would, well, we'll have to ask her. But like, yeah, did people think that? She had gotten arrested or sent away to juvenile detention or, you know what I mean? Like, what was it that they could actually think? Devil's Island. Uh, Australia a used to be a colony, penal colony, right? right? Yeah. But I think that's probably a little before Angelina's time. Yes, I think it probably is. <laughs> Unless, Angelina, if you're comfortable letting us know how old you are, let us know and then we can decide whether or not this was simply them deciding you had been deported for, for some sort of series of crimes and had to be sent to a penal colony on the other side right. of the world. Uh, Justine Adamek, my parish priest told people that I had moved to New York to get married when I had actually moved to Idaho to live in sin. Okay. The part of that story I really love aside from the sin part is that you were doing it in Idaho. I'm not, I don't want to make assumptions, Justine, but I, you were living with a partner of some sort, maybe of the same gender. I don't know. It could have been a lot of things. Sin is so expansive when it comes to churches. Right? There's just so many things that they seem to... God hates everything. <laughs> God invented the world and the universe and then stepped back, looked at it, and realized that he hated most of it. I just, Apparently so. What a strange guy. All right. Uh, you know, Eric, do you want to save all of yours to the end or do you want to give us one now to sort of punctuate the, the Oh, menu? I think we should we should stick with the we're on okay. a run with uh, with the listeners. We'll save me to the end cuz mine I really didn't follow the rules very well, so mine'll be sort of like fun wrap up, but not Okay, really well bad. you're not really a man who's about rules and that's why we love you. Okay, Carol right, Horger Bull. In middle school, a girl and her bestie decided to not like me. Well, fuck I don't know them. How that is. One day after lunch, she punched me in the face and ran. God. Well, that they was a good call because then she, Carol would have punched her back. They were full of threats and started some rumors for a while. Then suddenly they let me alone. I found out later one of my fringe friends told her I was mentally ill. Yay, fringe friends. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, okay, so but, she might rip yeah. your lungs out or with an ice cream scoop. So, yeah. yeah you don't, you wanna... don't want to fuck with Carol. Carol, Carol took some kids at her she, old school counts. down. They still Crazy, haven't found those kids. Yeah, right? Totally. Okay. We read um, 
So this is a little Frederick um, Richter kind of dug deep and his is a little painful. He says, dredging up some terrible memories, but for you guys, I'll do it. Thanks, I guess. But now we kind of feel bad, Frederick. We don't want you to be in pain when you listen to our show, but we appreciate well, you answering the question. Well, but we hope that, that, that it helps to share it. I, yeah. We're glad to listen. So this is about family, which can really oh, be wow. a source of some lies. So my mom decided to sell her home on Long Island in 1997. She wanted to move close to her sister-in-law as well as all seven of her kids who were living their own lives. My partner, award-winning actor Tony Azito, had died a year and a half prior from AIDS. I'm so sorry. So I helped her with the logistics of the move. It was on the market for four months, and during that time, only my oldest sister, Cookie, now deceased, came by to see how we both were doing. My mom repeatedly asked why none of the others were coming to see her, and did they know she was selling the house and moving? Cookie said, yes, they know, and she didn't know why they hadn't visited. A few months after the move, my mom and I bought a townhouse together. I had some money that Tony had left me. My sister died, and neither of us were allowed to go to the funeral. Mom was devastated, and I was angry at my siblings. A few years later, Mom developed Alzheimer's, and I sold the townhouse so there would be money to care for her. I did that for almost eight years, and all during those years, not one call or visit to ask how Mom was, how I was, did I need anything, could they help? Nothing. Jesus. When she died, I called them to let them know and also asked if they would help with funeral costs. No, was the answer. I didn't speak to them for years after, and when I finally got on Facebook, one of my brothers said in a post on my Facebook page, he wasn't talking to me as I had robbed the family of possessions from our mother's home that he wanted. If only he'd visited her... While the house was for sale, he would have gotten those things. That's why my mom couldn't understand why no one came. She wanted them to have certain things. I don't know if that was a way to cover any guilty feelings he harbors over not visiting during that time and during her illness. I'm happy to say my mom died peacefully and comfortably in her own bed at home with me lying next to her and holding her. I also have a few friends who were around at the time, and they helped me care for mom, so I've got no reason to lie about this. I've also never spoken to the siblings again, and it's been almost 22 years. Yeah, the Jeez. family you pick can often be the family worth having. That's that's yeah. weird. And yeah, that brother was just covering for his own bullshit. That was so a do, cover story. It, it feels like they weren't... like. So that was right. That was the lie that he was talking about. But I wondered if, if there was an, another lie that was keeping them away. Right. You know, like some other story that somebody else had told, because it's just. Uh, and since he has no contact with him, it would be really hard for him to say. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess there was great stigma about AIDS. But I think by that time, surely we had moved past Di- Princess Diana had hugged people and we had moved past the, you know, if you mm-hmm. touch it or you'll catch it. If you shake right. hands with or hug somebody who has AIDS, you'll get it. Like, mm-hmm. surely by 97, we were out of that nonsense and there was even a not a cure but a treatment yeah it had been rendered chronic uh kirsten waldron wrote in and said i heard a rumor about myself in high school that i had slept with this guy who i wasn't even sure i knew him then i remembered that we had gone out together once in middle school my mom (laughs) dropped me off at the movies his mom dropped him off we sat next to each other didn't even hold hands End of story. How that became us having sex is somebody's wild imagination. I bet I know whose, too. It was the boy who went and told everybody that he slept with her. 
How could anybody believe that? Oh, but they did, and I was a slut. Again, touching on what young women have to yeah, deal with when I they just, get that accusation thrown at them. Like, even if she had, so what? But, like, yeah, it was probably the boy bragging. Yeah. Angela Robinson, an eighth grade PE gym class. We had a free day. Basically, we could walk around and do whatever you want with whatever equipment the coach put out. I was shy and didn't have many friends, so I found a place to sit. Then I noticed a group of people staring at me. At the time, I felt everyone stared at me or talked about me, but this was obvious. So I moved to another area with stairs going to the backstage. They followed me. They never spoke to me, but they followed me. Creepy. I had no idea why. So at that point, I moved to the stage and I sat down. Others were on stage mingling, and this particular group came up the opposite backstair area, glaring and whispering. Then a guy in this group, who I found attractive, came over and knelt down and asked, Are you a lesbian? I did not answer because I did not know what a lesbian was at the time. My inner dialogue literally went, I don't know, so I can't say since I don't know if I am or not. I just stared at him quietly. Then the rest of the group came over. Someone else asked the same question. I didn't respond. Finally, the guy goes, do you know what a lesbian is? To which I answered, no. They informed me. I informed them I was not and actually asked why they thought that. One of the girls who sat next to me in another class had stopped speaking to me for a week or more and had received a note in her locker that said, will you go out with me? Signed, Angela. Hmm. I proceeded to tell them that was not me and she could have just asked me about the note. No one ever paid attention to me in my school years, so for this to be what, what and why really bothered me. Honestly, it had nothing to do with them thinking I was a lesbian. It was more, why did they think that, and why didn't they just speak to me about the note? Uh, yet they spoke to me as a group to ask if I was a lesbian. Massive motherfuck on that. Love to all the LGBTQ community. This is not anything against anybody. It's something that happened. You know what I remembered when I read this and I remember what? years ago uh, being a grown up here in Los Angeles and there was this breakfast place that I used to go to a lot. And there was there were other people who were regulars there. And um, this guy that I knew, he was another gay guy. He would go there. He, he said to me, oh, that 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 cute guy who always sits over there. He likes you. You should go talk to him. And I was like, really? And I didn't believe it. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was like he carried it on for a few minutes. And then he meant, no, he's not. I don't know him. He's not gay. I was so angry. I wasn't angry in the moment, but I remember coming up to you and telling you about it. And then your response was, your anger is understandable because for where we came from, that could get you killed. Like somebody sending you in to hit on somebody who was probably straight and giving you a false impression. Like all, all I could think of was how dangerous that note was that she was targeted with to do that to yeah. somebody. You know, like, yeah, uh, it could. Well, I, I don't know what what point in time that happened. But, yeah, I was it was a risky thing. I remember in school being called those names and it hurt me more because I was mm-hmm. I was like that they had ugly words for what I was was more hurtful than being called the name because I was gay. So, right. Like, OK, well, that's a mean thing to call me then if that's the yeah. case. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought this was going to be, and I think we have, uh, let's see, I think we have another one to read. I thought this was going to be this, like, fun, goofy thing. Someone accused me of 
being in a little, knowing the Loch Ness Monster, but instead it became this sort of painful <laughs> trip down memory lane, particularly back to adolescence, where kids are so mean. Anyway. This is Rebecca Brooke Turner. Okay, I'm going to put myself out there as far as how bullying can affect adult thinking. It became a discussion of bullying, I should add here. That's what really happened. It wasn't just about gossip. It was about bullying. So I was 10 in fifth grade, that shy, sweet, insecure little girl who had a best friend I did everything with. And that was fine. I was happy until this group of bratty boys started calling us lesbians and really making our lives miserable. In hindsight, I should have confronted them, maybe even punched one. I didn't. Shy, insecure, I completely withdrew even from my friendship and never dared get that close to a girl again. God, this is heartbreaking. Um, My not wanting to be touched except on my terms and my complete isolation loner periods all stem back to fifth grade and those boys, who likely forgot all about me, but it goes to show what sticks with you from childhood. Smallest actions can cause emotional trauma. So my story, I am definitely in progress, but I thought I would share... A little tidbit. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it gets it. People are... Gossip can be really destructive. People can take those kinds of things really seriously. I I don't know. I guess part of what separates me from some of the the feelings... I was certainly bullied... And it was mm-hmm. certainly, you know, there was lots of unpleasantness and um, violence and all kinds of other things that went with it. But as I said, like the rumor about me was true. Like, mm-hmm. and I didn't think there was anything wrong with being gay. So, I, you know, the fact that they did, that I could get, but it didn't it didn't have an impact on me. I didn't feel bad about me because anybody thought that I was or was not anything because the thing they thought I was, I they were right about. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Does that make I do. sense? Yeah, I'm I not do. You embrace it. Her sense of, but but the worst thing that people could think to accuse me of was true. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really land all that hard with me. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. Well, all of that said, I guess kind of puts me in mind of of my own stories. I, mm-hmm. I, I ch- there were three that I could think of. Um, mm-hmm. Two I'll touch on briefly, and then one is uh, I'll, I'll ex- explain in more detail. But the, there were, I had an incident where somebody, uh, a, a, a young man, accused me of being not not a child, but a you know twenty something year old young man, um, accused me of being inappropriate with him as a sort of cover for his own bad behavior. And Mm -hmm. the thing that was hurtful about it was that other people believed him and Mm. reacted, you know, negatively to me, people who I would have counted as friends. Mm. 
reacting yeah. negatively to me based on something that somebody else had had said, which was that was really hurtful. Although, in you know, in general, at the time and certainly in hindsight, those were not my friends, and I'm just as glad to right. be shut of them. But and right. I never, you know, like I didn't miss them after that because clearly they hadn't been my friends in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, though I had that conversation with some of them of like. I'm actually a friend of yours. Like, really? That's and what did they I'm the, say? I'm the one you're going to be. You're going to be. Yeah. Know, I just think it would be better for everyone. You know, oh, like oh, if yeah, you didn't right. come to the New Year's Eve party that you were invited mm-hmm. to, because the worst version of that. I had another example of that happen when I was in. I was still living in South Carolina. I was working at an advertising agency, and I was dating this guy, and. Uh, one of my dear friends at the advertising agency at the time, this uh, young woman had just broken up with her longtime boyfriend um, and was kind of, you know, hurting over it. And so I had included her in a couple of social outings with me and the guy I was dating. And we went to this big um, event for uh, the kickoff of a museum that I had been working to promote. And I brought her with us. Mm-hmm. And uh, afterwards, we went to a gay bar to go dancing and whatever and have a good time, which kind of everybody from the museum, the lieutenant governor, um, also went. It was just the place to go dancing. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, they went missing at some point during the bar. And I was like, I wonder where they are. And so I went outside to see if I could find them. And there they were on the hood of the lieutenant governor's yellow Mercedes Benz making out with each other. And I was really stunned by what happened. And just, I I don't know that I even said anything. They kind of, they saw that I was watching. They broke it off. I went to the car, my car, and they followed and got in. And then I drove them to her house. I drove her home and he got out with her and they both went inside. And so I went home alone even though mm-hmm. I had got left with the person the guy was dating. So it was really incredibly hurtful. It was a really, you know, it was a, a nightmare experience. So then the guy decided, the the unemployed, drunken, ne'er-do-well guy, who I probably shouldn't have been dating in the first place, decided to tell people that I had imagined the whole thing because he was such an asset to me. Mm-hmm. Um that I was that he wasn't really dating me and whatever and so all of the people that I worked with kind of took their side mm. I was excluded from all of the social events from uh, my own office seen as this unstable guy who was sort of you know hitting on this innocent young man who mm. uh, later dumped my friend at the office for um, an eighteen year old boy um, what I yeah I, um, oh. What? Yeah, like it was really, it was just this nightmare situation. It was really, it was really incredibly hurtful. But the thing that was hurtful was that the people who, all of the people who I worked with, who I'd considered my friends, with maybe one exception, um, wrote me off Mm -hmm. as the guy who was pretending that this loser, Mm -hmm. this drunken loser who really had very little going for him, was somebody that I was choosing to hit on and that 
that he was the catch and that I was, you know, kind of worthless. It was really and that really it's homophobia, hideous. right? It's homophobia. It's like obviously you you were delusional. You imagined it. He couldn't. He must be with a woman. It's more. It's, it makes obviously, more sense. Obviously, and yeah, and even if he wasn't, the more valid relationship was the one he was now having. And you're with in the way. The right. woman that he was with, and I was in the way, so I couldn't come to the Chris the office Christmas party, and I mm-hmm. couldn't participate in stuff, and I wouldn't be invited because we didn't want them to feel bad or somehow um, put upon. Yeah, it was really, there was even a move made, they hired him to work in the office. Somebody hired him to work in the office and somebody even brought him to a meeting, a creative meeting at the agency and I said, that's it. Mm -hmm. Get him out of this room and I don't ever want to be put in a room with him Mm -hmm. again. Mm-hmm. Like, no, he is not going to be working as, you know, he's not going to be creative consultant. He was hired to run errands and I'm pissed off enough about that. He can do mm-hmm. that, but I'll be damned if he's going to be, if I'm going to have to sit in meetings with him. No, that's mm-hmm. not happening. And yeah, the was... end of that story is that he left that woman for an 18 year old boy. Yeah. Wow. Who was at um, SCAD, who was at the Savannah College of Art and Design, and he went to live with him in an apartment that uh, I don't think had electricity and whatever, and she would go down and visit them. It was really like, yeah, it was, I've heard some, nobody has ever really specifically apologized Mm-hmm. for any of that during the time because like those people are still around and I'm still connected to them in, in yeah. some way. But yeah, it was a really, it was kind of brutal. It was nearing the end of my time in South Carolina and my tenure at that agency, but it was a series of brutal things that happened towards the end. Like a guy, there was a guy there who said that I was, had hit on him. He was mm-hmm. a, 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 he was my boss or mm-hmm. Nominally, he wasn't really, but technically mm-hmm. he was my boss and he said that I hit on him and mm-hmm. um, that was his reason for, you know, treating me badly and doing all kinds of unprofessional things to me in the context of the office. And he was actually somebody who had hit on and slept with pretty much every young woman who had ever come to work at the agency, to the including breaking up the marriage of one of those women and marrying her and then cheating on her with other women who came later mm-hmm. to work at the office or be interns at the office. But I was the one, because it was gay, who was seen as being unstable. Yeah, it was right. it was not a it was not a nice it was not a nice finish for that part of my life. There was a lot of joyous things that happened and in a lot of ways I liked a lot of those people, but it was it was not something that was it was a brutal ending to mm-hmm. uh, a period in my life that I'm grateful for because I came to California and remade my life and Right, right. and I'm and much happier with the way that things um have played out for me, but it was yeah, it was it was hurtful. It was really and the thing that was hurtful was that people thought the worst of me. Mhm who I had thought were friends. That was, right. that was yeah. the more hurtful um, part of all of it. Anyway, so, but none of those are the story I want to tell. Oh, you're this kidding. I was I like, oh God, I was, there's such devastating stories, but I just want to this jump is in the, here. This but is let me jump in before you tell. get, let me jump in before you get, because there's something nice I want to say about you. And there's implicit in those stories and in your reaction to those stories, which is you have always inspired me because you refuse to let your sexuality be an excuse, anybody treats you as being second class. You know, you have always, even when it was the environment was really inhospitable, you have said that my desires, my relationships, my sexuality, 
I, if you're not going to treat it as equivalent to yours, I will. So watch out if you don't, you know, and I just think your refusal to let those events hold you back or get you down or silence you. I mean, we all know nothing fucking silences you, right? Like, you know, <laughs> I've been trying to silence you for Although you did get 20 me to years. pause before yeah, I told my Yeah, I did get you story. to pause. Anyway, I just want to jump in and, and, and give that some context and that was going deep. That was kind of my take from the first. Like, I when I first realized that I was a gay person, like, there was a moment of like, oh, my God, I am all I am the thing that everybody says is the worst thing. And there was a period just a couple of weeks of me thinking, oh God, I'm this terrible thing. And then it dawned on me, I'm actually, there's nothing, I'm actually a pretty great guy. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. there's been a mistake. Right. Yeah. Somehow people have gotten the impression that people who are gay are terrible and I'm not terrible. I haven't done anything. Right. Um, yeah. I haven't even had, at that point I hadn't even done anything gay, you know, like right. I just was, how I old just were you realized, when you thought that? How, what age were you? I'm was, I, eighth grade, ninth grade. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Young. Young. Pretty young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Young, te- early teenage years. Okay. Anyway. I stopped you. Okay. Tell the story you want to tell. Yeah. So this is the story because I heard what you were wishing for, which was the mm-hmm. wildest, most outrageous, the the funny story about the, the rumor about you. And this was... I, this was the one that occurred to me. There probably are more than this. And if I thought about it longer, um, I'd come up with them. But this is such a great story. I was, it was my first year. It was the summer after my first year of college. And I met up with my dear friend, um, Nancy Polinsky. It's now Nancy Polinsky Johnson. She was, uh, I think, they, she lives in Pittsburgh. She was on the, um, she was a big correspondent on their public, uh, uh, public, broadcaster their pbs Mm -hmm. affiliate in pittsburgh i think her husband was a local newscaster there so she's probably pretty well known if you're in pittsburgh you may well know Mm -hmm. my old buddy i had been to i went to high school with her but nancy and i were my first starring musical she was she was cast as my aunt she was a whole maybe six months (laughs) older than me she was cast as my aunt in the first musical i ever starred in captain billy and we had been through school together and we met up at, we'd been in a million plays together and whatever. We met up um, for drinks, which I don't think either of us were old enough to be having. Um, one night after, uh, I, that summer, after our first year in college, it would have been her second year in college. I think she was a year ahead of me in school, my first mm-hmm. year in college. Um, and had dollar greyhounds or something. It was great. Uh, and, uh, told each other everything. We were all, it was one of those DDIC, um, Mm -hmm. deep, dark, intimate conversations. I was going to ask you what it stood for. Yeah. Okay. Good. She was all, she was all about, you know, all of her sowing her wild oats in college and what she was up Mm -hmm. to and things that we'd gotten up to. And, you know, I, it was, it was, I came out to her, um, officially, um, Mm -hmm. I can't imagine that she wouldn't have thought before that, but you know, whatever. It was one of those kinds of conversations. But we also talked about this story that we both knew about a mutual friend of ours that was mm-hmm. really ki- pretty salacious and pretty scandalous. And the mutual friend had told both of us about it. So we weren't gossiping about it. We were reacting to the fact that the mutual friend had told both of us this kind of scandalous story and we mm-hmm. talked about that and you know in in some detail 
And then, you know, the evening came to an end and off we went. And I don't know, we probably ran across each other a time or two during the summer, but that was our big Mm -hmm. um, evening together that particular summer. And then she went back off to Chapel Hill, I think was where she went, but she went back off to college and I went back to, to school and we were um, on our own. And then that fall, the scandalous story that our mutual friend had told us began to get out and people were starting to find out and people were upset. And there were a lot of people that we knew that were involved. And so we started hearing back from those people and they were scandalized and upset. And it was really dramatic. And, and, uh, and the friend, the mutual friend, called me and said, oh my God, this is getting out there. I had no idea this was going to get out there. Uh, Did you tell anybody? And I was like, absolutely not, because I hadn't told anybody, because Nancy actually knew Mm -hmm. the story. Mm -hmm. So it was like, technically, I hadn't told anybody who didn't already know. I didn't say that, but I knew that was the case. So... Um, after I got off the phone, I sat down and wrote this really elaborate, very mysterious letter to Nancy mm-hmm. saying, do, you know, after we had that wonderful night together, we shared deep secrets with each other. And some of those secrets have started to come out. And I'm wondering if you tell, I was very mysterious because I thought if anybody found the letter, right. I didn't want this scandal to come out right. because, um, because I had written it down somewhere. So mm-hmm. I so I sent the letter to Nancy and probably kind of forgot about it. Like it was like <laughs> it was a big deal in the moment. And you know, I was 19 and very, very much busy 19. with being myself. Oh, yeah. Keeping absolutely. up with my, you know, I had a lot going on. So mm-hmm. um so I kind of, you know, moved on. So a week or so later, a couple of weeks later, um, I think I was still living with my parents. I, that's how I remember it. But anyway, mm-hmm. at my parents' house, um, somebody said, uh, Nancy Polinsky is on the phone for you. Um, you should, um, you, 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 and I was like, really? So, you know, so I went and I called her. She said, and she was hysterical. She's crying and totally upset. And I'm like, so I go in, the, I the phone cord reached because they the days of, of phone cords, one of those, one of those twisty phone, phone cords. cords. Yeah, right. It reached all the way into the guest bathroom on the first floor. So I went in and closed the door, and I was Fancy. like, "What? What is the matter? What's what's the? Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean. I did. I had no idea. Oh, I, 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 I was like, oh yeah. my god." You, you told you whatever and she said we were I was at a party and I was talking about running into you and I was and then um this friend of ours asked me if you were you know if you were gay and I told him that you were because I knew and I didn't think you'd and she confessed this whole thing about she'd outed me which mm-hmm. I couldn't have given a shit less about if the guy right. had asked me I would have told him myself and I <laughs> I was like, that's why I used her name in the story because mm-hmm. she outed me. Because <laughs> she outed me to this friend, and I was like, oh, that's not what I was talking about. I was talking about so and so's, you know, a story that we talked about when we were at Whatchamacallit. And, um, but, you know, thanks for telling everybody. 
<laughs> I didn't. I really could not have cared less. It was hysterically funny because I was so cracked up. She was here. She was this emotional wreck over right, telling of this, course. But this, Eric which she assumed Quinn, was this big secret, which I couldn't have cared less. She could have said it to the newspaper, and it wouldn't right. make any difference to me. And she was like, "Oh no, I didn't tell anybody about that. That's that was a secret. I was. I was like, oh right, okay, but well, fuck you and your sexuality. About. Yeah, the other are are you able to tell us what the scandalous friends story was no, that you both, I would okay. never tell right. I don't know it still involves it was very hurtful and damaging and involved oh, a lot wow. of our friends and wow. I would never I would never tell that story never I will take that story to the grave with me that's not my story to tell but um but yeah, but it was, you know, something that a friend had confessed. So mm-hmm. I knew that it had happened and nobody was murdered or anything. But, right, right. Okay, um, good. Because like, we do I talk about murder the, a lot on the show. You have to be clear. I would have gone to the authorities. If there yes, had been some crime involved, I would have gone to the authorities. Um, Absolutely. No, it was scandalous and hurtful, but it wasn't criminal. Um, and uh, But yeah. No, it was it was such a funny story. I was so cracked up because Nancy was so devastated and just mm-hmm. weeping, and I was yeah. laughing. I was she was telling me the story, and I was laughing and saying, that's "Oh, Nancy, story. oh, honey, that's I couldn't care less." Yeah. yeah, that's that's my favorite rumor. So the the rumor was that I was, as I keep saying, the the worst thing anybody could think to tell about me was actually the truth. And it I never know me, I so have a sort of similar. I was thing. like, okay, yeah, totally. I have a similar thing. I um, so I, I th- so this has been a Wednesday question episode. I don't know if we're gonna call it that, but we post these every th- every when- every Thursday when I forget, every Wednesday. Um, and I normally try to keep them a little bit more up. That's a lie. They're not upbeat. I just was surprised by how dark the responses went on this one. And But I appreciate well, everybody's candor and honesty, right. including yours. And glad that people felt like they could confide right. and hope that confiding in us and the other party people helped them to feel better and know that you have friends and family, you know, family of choice that's, that's there for you. And... I think that's, you know, and I think it also really speaks to how hurtful it can be, Mm -hmm. you know, to go out and start spreading stories about people when, as almost everybody to a man says, well, why didn't they just come and ask me? It makes me wonder how much I have always believed to be true, maybe not about the people I know incredibly well, but about the people a little bit more removed from me is gossip. Right. Is gossip that has never been proved or is secondhand, whatever. It's it's sort of like, yeah, if you want to get to know somebody, actually get to know them, you know. Yeah. But. And if it's the truth about them, like Absolutely. as I always say, if somebody's if somebody's telling the truth about you and you're pissed off that they're telling it, then change your behavior. Uh, well, because and, that's not on them. Absolutely. But if they've made something up about you and they're telling that, then that's really hurtful. Like if people made stuff up about me, well, I'm not really that aware of it. Like the stuff people may have thought they were making up about me was actually true. But so also, and if the person is an actual predator, like it's coming out now that I, what is his name? Madison Cawthorn, this Republican Trump guy who was elected to Congress. It was, it was common knowledge at his Christian Bible college that he would get women in his car, drive them out to a remote location and become incredibly sexually inappropriate and forceful with them. And so the women at the school started trading stories saying, don't get in a car with Madison, you know, cause that's the truth. This is a guy who's actually doing these things or is alleged right. to have done these things. These are people with firsthand experience. I think what what gets dangerous and destructive is the snowballing lie, right? It's a, That's where you get, you know, a conspiracy theory or a tissue of lies wrapped around somebody's identity. I think that can be really dangerous and destructive. 
But moving on from that, um, we will pop back on the Dinner Party Show's Facebook page. In the comments, we will let everybody who responded to this question know that this episode is up. It's like a surprise because it happens after the fact. Um, we never know which episodes we're going to base around Wednesday questions. They're mostly there for us to interact with people on the page. So, so keep your eye out for them and contribute when you can. We want to talk about something that's coming up. Um, we've done... We're not sure exactly when, but in the next couple of episodes, yeah. there's a there's there was going to be a surprise, but Christopher sort of I spoiled, spoiled the whole it thing on the last, last episode. If you are not familiar with our discussion of the unsolved murder of William Arnold Newton, you can check it out in episodes 37, 48, 60, and 63 of this podcast. Those are all. And if you titled. have information to share about the murder of William Newton, I email us at William Newton Investigation at gmail.com. That is the tip line email. And we will pass it along to the authorities that are already involved as a result of this podcast in re-examining this particular crime, which is something we're incredibly proud of. And there have been other developments in and around it. And pursuant of that, there's an interview that's coming up. I that... know. And from an unexpected source... Um, and it's, we're not going to say anything else about it, but it's, it, but it is possibly, you know, it, it could be a nice contribution to the discussion about this case. So that's it. I'm going to, I'm going to shut up now. I'm not going to say anything else about it, but it's upcoming. And if you want to <laughs> sort of study up for it, um, just to give you the Cliff's Notes version, which I always do, William Newton was murdered in October of 1990 here in Los Angeles. He was an out gay man. He was also a performer in adult films. Uh, his severed head and feet were found inside trash bags inside a dumpster in Hollywood the morning Ugh. after he was last seen at Rage Nightclub in West Hollywood. It's gone unsolved. There's never been an arrest. There's never been a major lead announced to the public in 30 years since the murder happened. So we're hoping that by talking about it, we can shine light on it and we can uh, direct the authorities in the right direction as they seek to sort of reawaken the investigation. So that's it. That's the William Newton spiel. And um, that will be upcoming in the next few episodes. Um, but until then, and forever after, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw-Gwen. And you've been listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. Thanks. This is TDPS.